0: So look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're just going to look at verse 16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Well, when I was a, a young boy in the Boy Scouts, one of the adult leaders that we had, who was actually the, the oldest, most seasoned, most full of anecdotes and stories of all the adults there he liked to joke around quite a lot. Uh, and he, he made sort of, wise, wise statements through, through jokes, uh, which really worked for 13-year-old boys, you know. Uh, those are the sort of things that would stick if they're a little funny. And he used to say things, and one of them that, that uh, I remembered as sort of a jokey anecdote uh, when thinking about this commandment is this. He said, you know, when I was younger, I didn't think that my parents knew anything at all. But when I got older, I was impressed by how much they had learned. Now, I, I know that if you have to explain a joke, it's not a good joke. And I think by the number of laughs, at least most people got it but because i want to make a point i'm going to explain it anyway right we we think we like to think that it's it's funny but it's not true of us but you know most humor is funny because it's true you know as young children we may think as really young children we may think that our parents have got it all figured out and then at some point you know usually what we call teenage years we start, to, we start to think, well, actually, they don't really know a whole lot. Uh, they, they haven't really got it. And this can happen for all kinds of different reasons. Uh, we, we have all kinds of different reasons for believing that as, as young people. Uh, but nonetheless, in our society, that seems to be this stage that we expect every child to go through where we think that we know better than our parents. And eventually, with a few more years of experience, and by the grace of God, we begin to understand that we really had no understanding of what was going on when we were teenagers. And our parents were probably right all along. And as we mature, we see that we were the ones who were foolish to think ourselves wiser than our parents. But it does take some time and some growing up to realize that we were the ones who had it backwards. But I think for the most part, especially here, this commandment doesn't uh, really seem all that strange to us necessarily. Or we, we think, well, yeah, of course you gotta, you know, you have to respect your parents. You have to children children need to need to honor their, their parents and need to respect them and listen to them and but just because we kind of like the commandment doesn't necessarily mean that we really understand it. So we're going to look at it. And, and as we're looking at it this morning, it's, it's helpful, um, I think, as, as maybe a memory aid. Um, there's, there's three sections, and I split them up, and I've given them names, and the names all start with the letter P. Uh, it just kind of happened that way. And I, I guess, you know... I'm growing into my Baptisty preacherness by by giving you you three sections, all starting with the same letter. So, so as a memory aid, there it's it's the prescription, the person, and the promise. So the prescription that's the the part that's the command itself. If you think of prescription medicine, you know that's what the the doctor prescribes it to you. They're basically saying, here's the thing that you need to do to get better. Um, So that's the command part and that's honor your father and mother that's one section then we have the person and that's the section of the commandment that that tells us who who is this commandment applying to who is it talking to um, who's the person that should listen to this command and that section is the words as the Lord your God commanded you we'll we'll see how that how that explains it to us in a little bit And then finally, the promise is God's free blessing to those who obey. This is not a transaction. It's not, if you do this good thing, then God is obligated to do this good thing. It's not a vending machine where you put in your obeying your parents and then you get out your blessing. No, it's it's. The blessing that God, in the freedom of his grace, has decided to give us to keep his word. So the promised blessing is that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So again, prescription, person, promise. So let's look first at the prescription given in this commandment, which is, Honor your father and your mother. So what, what is honor? Uh, some cultures have a really deeply rooted understanding of this. They're, they're known as honor cultures. They might also be known as shame cultures, because those things are kind of bound up together. Um, but in the Hebrew, in the in the original language, the word for honor can also be used as the same word for glory or weightiness. Heaviness. Um, if you kind of think about it as like gold, gold is very very heavy. It's a it's a very valuable element, but it's very very heavy. There's some weightiness to it. Uh, there's some depth to it. It's not just gonna fly away like feathers in the wind. And that's sort of the idea of honor at at bottom. There's honor and glory and weightiness. There's depth. There's Importance and purpose, all that put together. So, at the heart of honoring your father and mother is to recognize that you shouldn't take them lightly. You shouldn't consider them as less than what they really are. But we live, as I mentioned earlier, we live in a time when it's almost universally accepted that children are going to rebel against their parents they're going to dishonor their parents. We think, yeah, it's just, you know, there's this stage of life where this commandment just, you know, it doesn't really apply as much to teenagers because, I mean, we wish they would, but they're just not going to. And we think that a violation is not leading down a dangerous path. We think it's just par for the course. Listen to how the Apostle Paul lists sins in Romans 1. He gives a clear example of of pretty much the worst things that sinners do. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And here's the list. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, Evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I mean, disobedient to parents is right in there with haters of God right in there with murder. Which, of course, if you look at the Ten Commandments, we should consider that this is important. When God wants to give, basically this charter of, you are my people, here's, here's what it is. Here's what it is to be my people, and he gives the Ten Commandments. It's in there. I mean, it's it's not a small thing. As we've said before, looking at looking at the Ten Commandments, this is the foundation of not just Israel as a as a nation. It's the foundation of the Scriptures in so many ways. All the prophets they keep going back to this. You, you look in the New Testament, they go back to this. So it's not a light thing. And yet we think, you know, ah, kids will be kids. Teenagers they have to go sow their wild oats. They have to go, you know rebel a little bit. But what does this mean then? I mean, if we need to take this seriously, how do we take it seriously? Does this mean that children in all times and stages of life need to obey their parents? Well, no. Right? I mean, firstly, the commandment does not say obey. The commandment says honor. Secondly, we need to recognize that we owe ultimate obedience to God, and then under him, we owe obedience to those who are in authority over us. So, parents are in authority over us to different degrees at different stages of life. You know, we see when we are young, we're under their roof, we're dependent upon them, then they're basically in total authority over us. We see this in Ephesians six, one and two. Paul Paul says to children, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And the and the way that he proves this is he says this commandment honor your father and mother. So kids little kids dependent children those who are in the household obey your parents. And I know many of you are thinking we just sent all the kids out to go do other things why are you doing this? It's like well you can tell them later too. <laughs> Jesus himself when he was a child and under his parents authority submitted in obedience to his parents. We don't have a whole lot of uh texts of Jesus' childhood. but in Luke chapter 2 we get we get in a, uh, a story uh, where he's, as a child, he's left behind in Jerusalem. And his parents go go away. you know it's all the, the the great you know traveling group that they're all together with that they just expected him to be with them. They make it out of Jerusalem, realize he's not there. hurry up and rush back and find him in the temple talking with the, with the religious teachers and they're a little exasperated but Jesus went back home with them without even the slightest uh, consternation that they forgot him i mean you imagine leaving your kid in the grocery store or forgetting them you know after basketball practice or something like that but no we got a couple days journey away but luke 251 says that he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. But children, of course, grow up, right? And they get married, they start families. Do they then still have to obey their parents? And the answer is not categorically no. That's, that's not how it works anymore. Because there are different stages of life. Jesus himself affirms that there's a separation of children and parents that is essential to when you grow up and you get married. We see this in Matthew 19, verse 5. He's being asked about divorce, but he goes back and quotes himself from Genesis 2:24 and says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Okay, but what about when you're unmarried? I mean, how does that work? Well, we have an interaction of Jesus with his mother. It happens in John chapter 2, and Jesus, of course, is unmarried. He was never married in the life he lived on earth. He is the great bridegroom to the church. But even though unmarried... He was outside of the household. He was under his own responsibility and authority. And so he, when we see him interacting with his mother, he doesn't outright, completely, just automatically obey. But he does honor her. So we see this in John 2. You can see it on the screen. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. So there's this problem that needs solving, right? Jesus' mother Mary is there. Jesus is there. Mary knows Jesus can take care of this. And so she asks, kind of without asking, hey, can you just do a miracle and handle this issue so it's just taken care of, and the people are not ashamed of the fact that they didn't get enough wine for the wedding? And Jesus basically says, what you want me to do, I'm not going to do. It's not time for me to be doing miracles. It's not time for me to be doing great and flashy signs that Reveal who I am to everyone. It's not time yet. But Mary says to the servants, Whatever he tells you to do, go ahead and do it. Because she knows, even though he's not gonna do exactly what she said, he is gonna solve it. He is gonna take care of the problem that she asked him to take care of. And that's how he honors her. He honors her by solving the problem that she wanted solved, even though it wasn't exactly this way that she asked. It to be solved. So, children, those who are young, honor their parents by obeying them, but adults honor their parents in a different way. And there's three sort of, uh, well, proverbs in Proverbs that repeat but they repeat with a slight change each time, and I think that shows us the progression. So the first time it appears in Proverbs eight, Solomon says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. In Proverbs 6.20, as he's getting into it, getting into the real meat of, of teaching his son how to be a man, how to be a wise man, he says, My son, keep your father's commandment, and forsake not your mother's teaching. But near the end of the portion of the Proverbs that are written by Solomon, I think we see where, you know, this young man has grown and grown in in age and everything else through all these Proverbs, all this wisdom gained, and you get in, in chapter 23, verse 22, you get it sort of restated, and it's slightly different, and he says, listen to your father who gave you life, And do not despise your mother when she is old. So we see as youngins, you obey your parents. But as you get older, you honor them by listening to them, respecting them, remembering. Listen to your father who gave you life. Remember who your father is. He gave you life. If he has something to say, instructions, commands, terrible jokes? The same story you heard five times already? Listen. Hear. Doesn't mean downright, outright, obey everything, but it, it means listen, consider, remember. And the same goes for your mother. But something else is also emphasized, and we'll look at that at a conclusion a little more closely, but it says, do not despise your mother when she is old. Which is a way of saying, in Proverbs, do the exact opposite of that. Which is, when she is old, care for her, and love her, and cherish her, because she is your mother. So we're going to look at the more practical ways uh, in the conclusion. So for now, let's, let's look at the second section, which is the person. The person, as the Lord your God commanded you. And this is actually the second time that Moses has used the phrase, as the Lord your God commanded you, in the Ten Commandments here. He also said it in the Sabbath commandment, which we looked at last week. Observe the Sabbath day, as the Lord your God commanded you. But it only appears in these two commandments, the other eight don't have this phrase. So why why is that? What's What's the purpose of this phrase? Well, if you look at the other eight commandments, you'll see that they all start the same way. You, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not murder, and you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. Commandments four and five don't begin with you, so that's why this phrase is in there to show that they are just as personal. And if we look again, what well, we looked at it at the beginning of the year, the the preface portion portion of these commandments uh, in Deuteronomy five verses two through four, Moses says to the people who are gathered, "The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb." Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant but with us who are all of us here alive today the Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain out of the midst of the fire so what should we learn from this we should learn that the commandments are personal and individual i don't mean that they have different meanings to each person what i do mean is that they apply To every person. The Israelites who came out of Egypt and crossed through the Red Sea and stood at the foot of Mount Sinai heard God speak and saw the mountain on fire and smoking. But they heard with their very ears God speaking these commandments. And now Moses is telling this new group of Israelites who have wandered the wilderness for 40 years while the disobedient generation died. He's telling the new group who are the children of those people, this applies to you too. And they apply just as if you had stood there while the mountain was burning and the voice of God was speaking. And so he says it to them, but it's also true to us. And in fact, the you in these commandments, is a singular you, not a plural you. Just bear with me for a second on a little English lesson. When you want to say something to a group of people, you can say you, hey you. I can, I can say you and mean everyone here. But what I can also say is if I want to talk to one person I can say you. I can use the same pronoun. That's not how it works in the language that this was originally written in, in Hebrew. There's two different words. And in fact, if you have a King James Version, you can see that the two different words actually come out, because there's thou and you, thee and thy. I mean, you can actually see the difference between the singular and the plural. Okay, what's this English lesson about? What it's about is that God is speaking in the singular when he speaks all of these commandments. So what that means is, and I'm trying to do this, and it makes me a little uncomfortable, it might make you a little uncomfortable, but what that means is God is looking in your eyes and saying it to you as if you're the only person there. This commandment, I'm telling it to you. Don't worry about everybody else right now. Think about yourself. And if you cannot say then the person who is supposed to listen to this commandment is me, then you're not you're not getting it. Because God is saying in 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 more explicitly than he could there's there's no more explicit way he could say this is for you sitting there Right now, as good as if I were speaking to you face to face. That's what we're meant to understand from this phrase that's added, as the Lord your God commanded you. So, finally, then, and it's good news that it is personal because the promise then. Is personal, The promise is for you. So let's look then at the promise. That your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now this promise appears often in the scriptures. And in order to kind of understand it a little bit more, we're going to look at four, four occurrences. So we're in Deuteronomy 5, where Moses gives the law right before Deuteronomy 4, the very kind of end of that chapter, and right after the very beginning of Deuteronomy 6, we have this commandment. And then also it appears in Proverbs, which is just obviously dependent upon this commandment, and then also in Ephesians we looked at earlier, but we'll look at it again, where the Apostle Paul speaks this commandment. So first we're going to look at the two in, in Deuteronomy, and we're going to take them together. Deuteronomy 4.40, Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God has giving you for all time. And Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 3, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, bookends to the Ten Commandments, God is promising that those who keep his commandments will have a blessing, and not only them, but their children, and not only their children, but their children's children, and that is the very thing that God decides to surround the Ten Commandments with. So just before Israel hears the commandments, they hear this promise. And just after they hear the commandments, they hear the very same promise. Long life and blessing in the land for you and your children. So how is it that God makes that blessing move from the parents who obey? How does he give that blessing to the children? Well, that's in this commandment, the fifth commandment. As fathers and mothers obey God and are blessed, so children who honor their parents receive that blessing come down to them, and they are blessed. And Solomon understands how this works. He's the writer of most of the book of Proverbs. And in Proverbs chapter three, this is what he tells his son. He says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. He's just restating what this promise is in the in the fifth commandment. And the Apostle Paul carries this promise forward to the Gentiles when he gives it to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter six, verses one through three, when he says to children to obey their parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother. And then this parenthetical, he's noticing this. He wants us to notice it too. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So, Do you you want to live long and have a peaceful life? As God desires to bless his children with long life and peace. Honor your father and your mother. That's God's grace to us in giving us this commandment. This commandment is the way in which the blessing moves generation to generation to generation to generation. generation. So as a conclusion then, let's together think about some practical ways of keeping this commandment. So kids, talking to you, obey your mom and dad. God wants you to honor your father and mother by obeying them and doing so gladly because God wants it and promises a blessing to you. So when your mom tells you to do something like set the table for dinner, you can reply, yes, mom, and cheerfully, go do it. And when your dad tells you to do something like clean your room, you can reply, yes, dad with a smile on your face, and go do it. And if you think that's too hard, or you want to groan, or you want to grumble, or you want to roll your eyes, remember God's promise to bless you, and to keep you, and to give you peace if you follow after this commandment. God knew what he was doing when he gave you your father and mother. He knew what he was doing. And now to everyone, no matter how old you are, honor your father and your mother. I just said it to the kids, but it's true for you too. God knew what he was doing when he gave you your father and your mother. This commandment doesn't come with caveats or exceptions or loopholes. In fact, it doesn't even get it doesn't even end after your parents pass away. We still have to honor our father and our mother. So, honor your father. Like Solomon says, listen to your dad when he gives you advice or has a story to tell. And better yet, ask him. Ask him for his thoughts. Ask him. Make yourself available to him. And honor your mother. Now, you didn't think that I would preach this whole sermon and not tell you to call your mom, right? Call your mom, if you can. And do not despise her when she is old. Solomon specifically says that. And if he specifically, the wise man, says that, it's because he knows that's the sort of thing we are prone to do. And we have made an entire industry that makes it pretty easy for us to do that. I'm talking about nursing homes, assisted living, all that kind of stuff. Now, don't hear me wrong. They can be very good and helpful. I've worked at an assisted living community. But we have to be careful that we don't take something that is good and use it to dishonor and neglect our parents. That's the passage that Peter read, where Jesus was talking, why do you violate God's commandment for the sake of your tradition? You know, they they said, if you gave money to God, then you no longer had to give it to, to your parents. You no longer had to take care of your parents if if the money was donated to the temple. You no longer had to provide for them and it was all fine. And Jesus says, How are you violating God's commandments so plainly by that? So we have to be careful to not take something that is seemingly good and maybe is good and turn it into a violation of God's commandments. Now, what that means is we can't be on autopilot. We can't just go along with whatever the rest of the world is doing. For most of the history of the world, when your parents became too infirm to live on their own or take care of everything themselves, they came to live with their adult children. Now, assisted living, nursing homes, they provide another option. And I know I know of parents who have told their kids, I don't want to come live with you. Send me to the nursing home. That's where all my friends are. So it's a viable option. And of course, there are health issues and other things that make it maybe more practical, safer to be in a place that has 24-7 access to nursing professionals. Yes, absolutely. But don't forget about your parents. That's the dangerous thing, is it makes it easy to forget because, oh, somebody else is taking care of them. No, your responsibility is to honor them. And honoring them in their age is taking care of them. So we can't go on autopilot. Jesus, when he was agonizing upon the cross made sure that his mother was taken care of. See this, John 19, Jesus is upon the cross. This is one of, the, one of the last things that he ever does before the crucifixion is complete and he goes into the tomb to be raised in three days. It says, but standing by the cross of Jesus where his mother And his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Jesus' mother Mary is there, and she's there with members of her extended family, her sister is there. But Jesus, as the firstborn son, fulfills his duty to take care of her. She could have gone to her sister's household, or she could have been taken care of by Jesus' younger brothers, perhaps. It could have fallen to them. But Jesus, as The perfect keeper of all God's commandments, even as he's dying, provides for his mother to be taken care of. And it's the Apostle John. And we have from history, we know that he did take care of Mary until her death, even upon the cross. Jesus is keeping and fulfilling all the commandments. And as we look to the table before us, the Lord's Supper, the communion table, that's what we look to. We look to Jesus who fulfilled all the commandments for us. As we saw, this is not a light thing. We, we think we might be doing pretty well, but disobedience to parents is in that list of heinous sins. And so we need we need someone. We need a substitute. We need someone who can take care of it for us, who was the keeper of this commandment for us. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians about the communion table. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So this is a serious thing. Paul says, let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. So this is not the sort of examination that is navel-gazing and makes us kind of fall into despair and think, I'm not worthy of this, I shouldn't even come near it. No. What does it mean to discern the body? What body? It's, it's Christ's body, his church, his people made up of everyone here who believes. We belong to each other. That's what this meal means. We belong to each other. And by taking this meal, we affirm that we belong to each other. So if you're at odds with your brother or sister who's here in this room, go and be reconciled before you eat the bread and drink the cup. It doesn't take long to ask for forgiveness You can just get in at the back of the line after you've done that. But be reconciled to your brother or your sister and then come. Now, this is for believers. This is for those who have come to Jesus Christ in faith, who trust him for their salvation alone. If that's not you, this meal is not for you, and that's okay. For your own sake, just let it be. Consider then, though, what it means that Christ has died for sinners and made himself available to them for their salvation. And now parents as well, if children, young children, you can use this meal as a way to teach them what it means to rest and trust in Jesus Christ. And if it seems to you that they have, then you invite them to participate with you. If they haven't yet, then just use this time to teach them. I'm going to pray. The band will come back up, and then the table will be open. Lord, to him who is, who was, who is to come, to the spirit of holiness who sanctifies us, to Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings on earth, you who loved us and freed us from our sins by your blood and made us a kingdom and priests to our God. Lord, would you be glorified, You have lordship forever and ever. Help us, Lord. We are all children of parents, all kinds of different situations, all kinds of different circumstances. Help us, Lord, that this commandment would come home to us, be written on our hearts that we would see the glory of the promise, that we would see that we, I am the person who this commandment applies to. And Lord, we rest upon your promise that the blessings that you have to your people come down to us come down to us through parents to children and to children's children. Lord Jesus, be glorified as we come and are united more in communion with you, raised up with you into the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. this meal before us. In your name we pray. Amen.